our good shepherd. Help us to receive your pursuit. Dig out ears for us to receive you in the word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning, you can be seated. Good morning, my name is Daniel Van Valkenburg, and I'm the pastor of music and technology here. Over the next few weeks, we are turning our eyes to the parables that Jesus tells about lost things. And on Wednesday, if you missed it, Ken opened our Lent series with the good news that Jesus invites us to face our own lostness so that we might be found by Jesus. And for this morning, we're drawing our attention to the next section in Luke, the parable of the lost sheep. And in this scene, there are some religious leaders who are grumbling because Jesus is associating very closely uh, with who they would consider to be traitors and people who are blatantly and actively rejecting God's word. And he starts by comparing everyone except for himself to sheep. Now, I admit I have very little knowledge of sheep, uh, but I did do some reading this week and it was very fun to read about sheep. I did not read one good thing about sheep this week. Apparently, they are very, very not smart. I, I, I read one story that they will like, if there's like cliffs around with some grass like here and there, they will like find a way to get to this little patch of grass on the cliff and they'll see something and go higher and higher until they've eaten it all. And then they're stuck. And unless someone actually comes to rescue them, they will just plunge to their death. <laughs> I thought that would be a really good parable for this morning. <laughs> Tim Keller calls this the point is that being compared to a sheep is not flattering. Tim Keller calls this a well-meaning insult, um, especially would have been to these white-collar um, Pharisees and scribes. But when you're, when you're comparing God to humans, it is perfectly appropriate to name the least intelligent, most vulnerable thing you can imagine. Like, he could have used a worse analogy, let's be honest. Jesus in his infinite kindness is saying that like sheep, we can do absolutely nothing about being lost. We can't find our way back. We can't turn to the shepherd. We are completely unable to pursue God. We will pursue food and shiny things. And again, we are all lost sheep. As Ken said on Wednesday, the real spiritual dividing line is not between lost and unlost, uh, but between those who are lost and know it and those who still have no idea. So we have all erred and strayed from God's ways like lost sheep, but even if you think you're not the lost sheep in this parable, in this parable, you're still a sheep. And you can take no credit for not being lost yourself. Without the shepherd, all of the sheep would be lost. He's answering, Jesus is answering the concern of the Pharisees and the scribes about his fraternizing with sinners and traitors by declaring to them, first of all, they are all sheep, and he is the shepherd. And the good news about this situation is that Jesus, as the shepherd, pursues the sheep. And this is the good news for us today. We are completely helpless without his pursuit. We can say that we pursue him, but let's be honest, even our most rigorous attempts at pursuing the shepherd, they amount to receiving his pursuit. 
And we can't even receive his pursuit unless he digs out ears for us, as the psalm says. And, and he calls us and he shapes our heart. And even our response to this pursuit, our daily life of worship and our worship here on Sundays, it's like the bleeding of a sheep, except that he shows up. Except that he fills it with his glory. Except that he pursues And I'm not saying that we should not try to seek to pursue God. I'm saying that our pursuit should always begin with, help us, Lord, receive your pursuit. Help us to hear you. This is why on Sunday morning, um, our worship, it, it begins before you've even come here, when God calls us together. And then when we arrive, the first thing we do is we declare his pursuit of us. We declare his presence, the reality of his presence, and the reality that we are redeemed. That is his pursuit of his lost sheep. And then we pray the prayer of purity, and we ask him to cleanse the thoughts of, of our hearts by the inspiration of his Holy Spirit. And that is us admitting that we need help just to receive all of his pursuits for us this morning. We're asking for his help to be made ready to receive all that he has for us in the next hour and a half. And again, all of us need his pursuit. Even if we received the pursuit and surrendered ourselves to him, there are areas of our lives, parts of us, that he is still chasing down. Like sheep, we are helpless without him. And Jesus in this parable is declaring the good news that the shepherd pursues the sheep. And the good news about this pursuit gets even better. Because in this parable, Jesus is declaring that he pursues the one. This is not just about the flock as a whole. Jesus pursues the one. To this shepherd, you are not a nameless face in this crowd. He is pursuing you. He has pursued you specifically and especially. That is the reason that you are here this morning. For gathered worship, we're still changing a bunch of our songs from I and me to we and us because we live in this very hyper-individualistic culture, very lonely, very divided culture, and we need to declare that collective identity and that unity, but we still reserve appropriate times in the service for songs that use I and me because sometimes we need to be reminded that Jesus pursues the one, even here in our gathered worship. And I need to hear this. I need to write it down and set an alarm on my phone to remind me every hour of every day. Jesus does not pursue you reluctantly. He aches for you to be nearer to him. A few years ago, we were still living um, in a rental home downtown between Boulder and Platte on Institute right there by Switchback very busy area. We didn't have a fenced-in yard, and there's a fairly busy alley right in the back of us. When our son Theo, he was just like two, just starting to really walk around, but still a toddler, you know, he can't communicate, but he's like, woo, everywhere. One day we're inside, and I'm working, and I notice that it is very quiet. 
which is always a bit of an odd experience as a parent of two small children, right? You long for the silence and the quiet, and then it comes, and you can't just sit and relax and enjoy it because you know something is wrong. So I get up to check on the kids, and I find Penny, but Theo is nowhere to be found. And the house is a very simple house. You just walk right through it. You can see everything. Um, and I couldn't find him. And so I'm running through every room again, and I'm yelling, and I'm going through the bathroom yelling, Theo, where are you? He is nowhere. I open the front door, and I yell for him. I look, and I don't see him. I don't hear anything. And I run. I close the door, and I run back through the house. And I catch Penny on the way, and I said, did Theo go outside? And she's four. And she says, yeah, he wanted to go outside, so I let him out. And then I see it, the back door. It's not quite all the way shut. Everything around me instantly came into sharp focus. And in that moment, I was alive for one reason. And nothing could hurt me in that moment. You could have chopped off one of my limbs. I would not have felt it. I could feel one thing and one thing only. I would tear the world apart to find my son. I ran out of the door yelling, and I don't see him. I get all the way out to the alley, and I turn, and there he is, just making his way down, following one shiny thing after another like a lost sheep. And I scooped him up. And melted. If we in our sheepishness know the longing and the ache to find and bring back a lost child, how much more our Father in heaven, who knit us together, he aches for you to be brought nearer to him. And he aches so much that he will pursue us to the farthest stretches of darkness. He will endure whatever it takes. He was pursuing us in the garden in Genesis immediately after Adam and Eve had sinned with the question, where are you? He pursued us through calling Noah and Abraham and David, binding himself in a covenant of pursuit. And then because he goes all the way to us, he scandalously lowers himself to become one of us here in the person of Jesus. And somehow, that's only the beginning of the magnitude of what he would endure in his pursuit of us. And this is where I think that we have the opportunity to humble ourselves, and to let the Pharisees and the scribes teach us something. I don't know about you, but when it comes to Pharisees and scribes, when I read that in the Gospels, I have this unhealthy tendency to completely dismiss them and assume that they're just the worst, not realizing that by doing so, I'm doing the very same thing that they were often doing. And the more that I get to know Jesus, the more that I realize that is not his heart towards them. So in an attempt to embrace our own lostness like Ken challenged us on Wednesday, let's be curious about their perspective just a moment. And I think in doing so that we can come closer to understanding just how far Jesus will go in pursuit of us. The Pharisees and the scribes, they were way more comfortable 
and familiar with the scriptures than we are. Way more comfortable, especially the icky parts. For example, Psalm 139. Many of us can immediately call to mind with such affection that God knit us together in our mother's womb. I said this earlier. But it takes some effort to remember, much less appreciate. Verses 19 to 22. Let me read it to you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a complete hatred. I count them my enemies. This is from Psalms, the prayer book of God's people. When is the last time you prayed this and didn't feel icky about it? The reason that the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled was at least partly because they did not avoid scriptures like this that instilled in them a deeper understanding of God's good and right judgment of evil. We tend to resist thoughts and verses of judgment in favor of God's love, but a God, we've said this before, a God who does not deal with evil is not a loving God. If someone, if someone you know is murdered and the judge says, say you're sorry and be on your way, that is not love. There has to be a reckoning for evil. But here is Jesus with these people from the Pharisees' perspective who have openly and blatantly condoned evil. So where is the reckoning? The Pharisees didn't realize that they were just as deserving of that reckoning. But at least they recognized it was missing. And in this moment, it is. Where is this reckoning? Where is the justice? If we skip ahead and we follow the pursuit of the shepherd, we find it. We find the reckoning at the cross. The Pharisees and scribes are right about one thing. Evil deserves wrath. And we want evil to be crushed and for wrath to be poured out fully on all of it. But there's one problem. It's in us. All of us, it's infected us. And God aches so much for his children not to be crushed. To not be crushed by that wrath that he will pursue us enduring whatever it takes right down to receiving all of that good and right and justified wrath into himself on our behalf. Nothing can stop the shepherd's pursuit of his lost sheep. He will endure endure the darkest valley. He He will become one of us. He chases us down. He fights until we're found. And he receives the full wrath on himself. There is no greater pursuit than propitiation. There is a good God, a holy God. And wrath must appease. He takes it on himself. And yet, the pursuit continues. Propitiation, it opens the door for the pursuit of sinners. And the pursuit doesn't stop after the sheep is found. He lays it on his shoulders. He carries it back. If I could stretch this analogy a bit, there's a pursuit to find the sheep. 
and then there's a pursuit in bringing it back. It's a journey bringing us back. It doesn't happen all at once. And even when we do get back, we're still sheep. We're, we're, we're still prone to getting lost again. And as I said before, there are parts of our hearts that still get lost, and so the pursuit continues. When I was in my early 20s, I was working on staff in student life at a small Christian university. And as a staff, uh, kind of on a staff retreat, we were watching The Notebook together as part of the retreat. And if you haven't seen this movie, I'm going to ruin it. I'm sorry, you've had 20 years to watch it. Um, this is a story about an old man who's coming to visit an old woman who is in a care facility. And he's coming to her day after day and reading her a story. It's a long story, so they kind of pick up with where they left off day after day. And this story is about a young couple named Noah and Allie. And they meet, and they love each other deeply, and they're, then they're forced to separate, and there's this heart-wrenching story full of drama and heartache. But in the end, of course, they end up together. And it's at this point, as he's telling this part of the story, that the old woman suddenly remembers that she is Ellie, and he is Noah. And she remembers how much he means to her. And you realize she's in this facility because her mind had deteriorated and she had lost her most cherished memories. But in this moment, suddenly she remembers and they have this beautiful moment together. And then she asks, how long do we have? And he says, just a few minutes, and you realize this isn't the first time he's been coming to her day after day for who knows how long, just so that they could have a few moments together before her mind would fade and she would forget him again. We finished that movie, and we sat in silence for a few moments until someone said, isn't that how God must feel with us? He pursues us day after day after day with our love story. And so often it feels like only moments here and there that we really remember and know with our entire self that he's everything that we've ever wanted. Despite our fading memory, his pursuit continues. his pursuit and especially the journey back with him, it's not always comfortable. In our Old Testament passage from Hosea, God's referring to his people as an unfaithful wife and he refuses to give up on her, but she refuses to receive him. So he strips away everything that she had run to, her lovers, her false security. And in our passage, he says, therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness and there speak tenderly to her. His people were like sheep, prone to running to anything and everything else but him. And they weren't even aware of how lost they were in these moments. So as a last resort, because he had ached for them to be found, he stripped them of everything. There are places in our hearts that we cannot see, but he can. And just because we cannot see those things doesn't mean they aren't coming between us and the good shepherd. And he is not willing for anything to come between us. 
it's always better if we can take inventory and seek wise counsel and ask those around us to help us and, and, and to see those places so that we can receive Jesus into those places. I mean, that's partly the beauty of Lent. It's a seasonal time of inviting him to take inventory of our hearts, but sometimes we don't see it. And we need something to be stripped away. Sometimes something good. And we need for him to take us into the wilderness so that he can speak tenderly to us there. And if we will receive him, it is a severe mercy that will sooner or later find us and bring us nearer to him. The big question for us this morning and every day really, is are we receiving his pursuit? He will not force us to receive him. Even when he strips everything else away, we don't have to receive him. Maybe this morning you feel mostly found and you're open and ready for receiving more of the pursuit of the shepherd. Glory glory. Thank him that he has given you the ability to receive his pursuit. I think some of us, and I include myself in this, I'm being open with you, have mixed feelings about his pursuit of us this Lent season. You want it. You know you need it but you're a little afraid of what might be stirred up or afraid of what you might need to give up. Our prayer, yours and mine, is Lord, help us. Help me to receive your pursuit. But maybe you are here this morning and you know that you're lost or you know that part of you is lost and you're not ready to be found. A month or two after Theo walked out that back door, I remember noticing another alarming silence and once again, I couldn't find Theo. This time, Penny didn't know where he was. We yelled and we yelled. We ran everywhere. We ran inside, outside, Yelling, the panic set in so deep until finally Janelle found him in a very clever hiding spot in the living, right there in the living room, right behind our TV. Despite all our yelling, like right next to him, he had been completely silent. My Theo, my loud Theo, completely silent the entire time. Maybe you're just not ready to be found. But you're here. I'm so glad you're here. Would you please keep coming? There is no place, there is no better place for you to not be ready. There is no better place for you to be lost. There was no better place for Theo to be lost than right there in our living room. There is no better place for you to be lost than here with his body. A whole flock of lost and found sheep 
gathered in the gaze of the shepherd. Please keep coming. I want to invite you to close your eyes with me. In Genesis, after we were devastated by sin, lost and hiding in the garden, an overwhelming mix of wanting to be found and not wanting to be found, we were lost sheep. Maybe you can relate. Or maybe today is just another joyful day of his pursuit. Or maybe you haven't had enough time to tie your shoe, much less think about what God is up to in your life right now. However you find yourself in this moment, hear these words from God to you as a fresh pursuit of your heart. Where are you? Where are you? Lord, help us to receive your pursuit. Would you break through in only the way that you can, in the way that only you can? I pray for the one in this room. I ask that you would come that you would break through and push out and block anything that would distract or destroy. And in this moment, in this void, you would speak your sweet words that only you and that person knows. The words that would be the beginning of a deeper, driving movement towards intimacy with you. Help us to receive you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.